Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Jim Marshall for the second time. And Jim is a polymathic intellectual and is the author of Septimix. Jim, how are you doing? Hi, Tim. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. We'd love to have you on and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, fantastic. Okay. Well, I'm the discoverer of hitherto unknown natural phenomena, which greatly aid in the understanding of people, from which I constructed a revolutionary practical philosophic system called Septemics and published it in the book, Septemics Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. There we go. I love it. And outside of writing and disseminating the information of Septemics, is there, are, are there any hobbies that you have? Well, I meditate every day. I've been doing that for most of my life. Uh, I wouldn't call that a hobby. It's it's much more, it's much deeper than that. Uh, you know, it's the most important thing in my life, really. Yeah. Uh, where I connect to spiritual depth and reality and continually making my mind clearer. There we go. There we go. And when did you start meditating? Just curious. Uh, well, it depends on how you define meditation. It's sort of changed over the years. Uh, but I would say when I was about 20. Gotcha. There we go. There we go. And now dive into Septimics a little more. I know it's fairly extensive. So just a brief overview if you keep it within five minutes. Okay, well, Septemics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in a sequence of seven levels. Literally, the word Septemics means over pertaining to seven. Septemics comprises a collection of scales or hierarchies, each of which breaks down various human phenomena into a sequence of seven steps. There are 35 such scales which span the spectrum of human experience. By which I mean any situation which arises in the life of any person can successfully be analyzed using this system. That is a There are 24 which apply primarily to individuals and 11 which apply primarily to groups. There we go. That's a fantastic system. I love it. Tell us a bit more about the motivation behind the system. What really gets you up, keeps you going every day, and why did you start mm, documenting this and creating it? Uh, well, that's two very different questions. Uh, as for how I discovered Septemics, I had a very long career as a human development engineer, working one-on-one uh, with hundreds of clients for many thousands of hours. And as I was doing this, I started to observe that my clients would improve in ways that were predictable to me. Now, I never told this to anyone, but I made notes. 
And as the years went by, I came to realize that my clients were actually going upscale. In other words, a person in a certain area would be at a certain level and he would improve in a way that I would know before it happened because I knew the next level up. So as this went on year after year, I kept making notes and writing down these phenomena. And by 1995, I had about 32 scales that varied in lengths between three and seven. Now there's one scale in particular that I had that I absolutely knew was correct. Now in 1995, I discovered that it had a seventh level. I had been working with it as a six level scale. And when I inserted the seventh level in it, it manifested mathematically. So that told me that this was natural law. Because anything that has mathematics embedded in it as an inherent part of it is natural law. When I saw that, I said, whoa, this is big. I found something here. So then I thought, I wonder how many of these other scales that I have are actually seven level scales that haven't been developed all the way because I wasn't developing anything. I was just helping my clients. There was no Septemex. So knowing what I was looking for, I then, then inspected the, all these scales and in a short period of time was able to develop them into seven level scales. And as each one went to seven levels, it manifested mathematically. And after a while I had these 32 scales and I said, this is a book. I can go from helping people by the hundreds, which is what I was doing, to helping people by the millions by putting this in a book and getting it out to the public. So then I wrote the first transcript of this book and I gave it to colleagues of mine, all of whom who had graduate degrees, just to see what they thought of it. And they all had very positive responses. So then I knew, okay, this is what I thought it is. It's a new subject. And I spent the next 25 years working on the book, perfecting it and creating this system that will help anyone who could read English and wants to improve himself or his life. Mm. There we go. There we go. And so through reading the book, will it help you go through the, um, through the phases on the scale faster? Or are there some phases or some stages that just take a certain amount of time and you're not going to get through that stage any quicker. Well, well, first of all, first, let me tell you this. Each of these, each of these 35 scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group, individual or activity. If the group individual or activity moves persons groups up these scales, it's beneficial or positive. If it moves them down, it's detrimental or negative. So it's very useful that way. More importantly, just finding out what level you or another person is at on any scale is by itself enlightening and beneficial. And finally, once you know the actual level of a person on any scale, you can improve that person by moving them up one step at a time. So that's basically how it works. All of these uh, advantages represent major steps forward for society. Each of these scales is an axis against which to evaluate human phenomena and combine they empower one to understand, predict, and manage human affairs to a degree hitherto unattainable by most. There we go. There we go. 
So I guess the most efficient way to use it would be to A, figure out where you are on the scale, on each scale, and then B, cut out the negative behaviors and maximize the positive behaviors that it entails. Well, actually, it's more specific than that. You see, each of these scales has seven levels. And once you know your level, you can improve yourself by moving up one level. This is very specific. This solves the gradient problem. You see, many people have problems and situations and difficulties. They don't know how to resolve it. And this book solves that problem because it tells you the next level up. And if you try to get to that level, you will get there. If you try to get to a higher level, you will not get there. It will be too steep a gradient. Of course, no one wants to go down the scale. That would be harming oneself. Uh, every single person is at some level on every scale. Now, you have to realize some of these scales are general and some of them are specific. In a general scale, like the scale of basic purposes, you find your level and that's it. Uh, in other words, every human being has one of seven basic purposes. Of course, everyone has thousands of purposes, but there's underneath all of that, there's one basic purpose. And when you find that, it clarifies your mind because you throw out the other six and you know what you're about. You know what your life is about. It's very empowering. The light bulb goes on over your head. Also, when you find somebody else on that scale, it's the same thing. For example, I know the basic purpose of every president of the United States going back as far as Franklin Delano Roosevelt and many of the presidents prior to that who I studied like Lincoln and Washington and Jefferson. That's extremely helpful. When you know someone's basic purpose, you know what they're trying to do. And I can't think of anything more important to know about a person than that. Then you have scales which are specific scales, which manifest in many ways. For example, there's a scale of motivation. So you could ask yourself, what's my motivation toward my wife? What's my motivation toward my son? What's my motivation toward my boss? And they would probably all be different ones, although sometime by chance they overlap. But also you could say, what is my boss's motivation toward me? What is my mother's motivation toward me? What is my son's motivation toward me? That tells you a lot about the person. So let's say a guy is dating some girl, he's thinking about marrying her, right? And he wants to know, does she want to marry me because she loves me, which is the highest motivation of all? Or does she want to marry me because I drive a Maserati, own a yacht, and have my own jet? You see, that's a very different motivation. So that his determining that about her, which he can use this scale to find out, could determine either, wow, this is the right person, or I want to get away from this person. That's a big difference. So this book can absolutely help you to avoid bankruptcies, catastrophes, disasters, uh, indictments, divorces, by forewarning you, what kind of a person is this? And you see, because it's only choosing between seven levels, it's not that hard to do. See, if I were to stop some guy in the street and say, What's your wife's motivation toward you? He would look at me like I was from Mars. He would probably say, how can I know that? There are thousands of motivations. And I'd say, no, actually, there are only seven basic motivations. So look at this scale 
And it probably in a matter of seconds, he'd say, well, she's either a three or four, something like that. And then I'd say, okay, read the text and then see if you can get it exact. And he would then say, oh yeah, I can see she's a three. That's not bad, you see? And then that would open the path for him to move her up to two, which is a better motivation. So their relationship would improve. And how would he go about moving her up to two? Like, isn't that something she has to do on her own? Well, she has to find it on her own. But there's a whole section of my book in which I explain how to help somebody else improve himself. So I'll give you an example. Let's say a parent has a kid who's having trouble with school. There's a scale of scholarship. So you say, come here, Johnny. Let's say the kid's 13 years old. Read this glossary. So he reads it right? It takes three minutes. Okay, now look at the scale. And he'll see a scale of scholarship. And in a matter of maybe 15 seconds, he'll say, well, you know, I'm probably either at three, four, or five. And you see, he's already thrown out four of the levels. So then you say to him, okay, read the text, and then come back and look at it. And when he comes back, he'll say, oh, I can see I'm at level five. That's not so great. No wonder I'm having trouble in school. And then you can say, okay, good. Let's move you up to level four. And I state in that chapter with specificity how to make somebody a better scholar. And so you just follow the instructions and he will move up from five to four and you will have helped your kid to be a better scholar. And so he, you have reduced his difficulties with school. And that's a perfect example of how to use it. So it sounds like that. Yeah, first... You have to realize. Oh, you have to realize if you take that example, right, and and blow it up a million ways, that's how you can use this book. In other words, there's a virtually unlimited number of scenarios where you can use this book to either help yourself or help another person. And it's not inscrutable. I've done all the heavy lifting by writing this in a way that it's user friendly. I design these scales to wrap around the reader. When you look at these scales, it's like putting on glasses and looking at yourself in a mirror. You see yourself with clarity. And if you have a friend who needs help, it's like giving him glasses and, and having him look in a mirror. And he'll say, ah, I see. People get this. Uh, and I'll give you an example. 20 years ago, when I was in the early stages of writing this book, I had it in a transcript form. I was talking to a buddy of mine about politics and government. I said, wait a minute, let me show you something. And I opened up the transcript to the scale of government and I just handed it to him. I didn't say anything. So he takes it and in about a second he points and he says, right there, I'm right there. He found himself on that scale without my even suggesting that that's what you were supposed to do. He didn't know anything about this. That's how user-friendly this is. People get it. They look at it, especially if it's relevant to their situation. And they will, usually in a, in a matter of seconds, they'll get a bracket. And then if you have them look at it more, they'll get a specific level. And when that happens, the light bulb will go on over the guy's head. He'll say, ah. Now I see what's going on. Now I see who I am and what I am and what I'm doing. And the next level up is how he will improve himself.
So he will be able to go to the next level up because it's the right gradient. Okay, there we go. What are the top? So we kind of got an understanding of Septimics. We know that your real dream and goal behind it is to get it out to millions of people and impact their lives that way. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop as an individual to reach more people? Well, I've done a lot of interviews and I've certainly gotten better at them. In specific, specifically, I've gotten better at explaining it in a way that I can come across to somebody in 30 or 40 minutes and explain what this is to the point where they will go to my website and look at it. Uh, so that's what I've been developing. Uh, and I just have to do more of that and try to get it out more broadly, which means getting it on uh, not only more interviews, but interviews that reach more people because some of them are hard to get on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I guess that would be your highest impact daily action that would tick the needle forward. It'd be getting on as many interviews as you could, right? Yeah, and, uh, and not only the quantity, but the quality too. You know, I mean, if I could get on Joe Rogan, I could get to a million people with this book and most of them would like it. Yeah. Because I kind of know who his public is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is there a character trait that you need to develop right now to really get on better quality podcasts, get on more podcasts? Um, is there a character trait you could develop to make that happen? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, for me, it's more a question of being patient and being relentless, you know, uh, I kind of have a well-deserved reputation as a patient person who is relentless, but it's still a challenge, you know, because every interview is you starting from scratch and there's the interview itself is the easy part. The hard part is setting it up, connecting with somebody. There's time zone differences, there's technical differences. And I'm through different hoops, which is, you know, just work to do. So I have to just keep being positive and, and doing it, you know, being, uh, having this, keeping my goal in front of me, being goal oriented and just getting this out to people. Yeah. And then trusting in the book. I know this works. I've seen 27 years of response because the first version was written in December of 95 and so I have 27 years now of seeing how people respond to this. I spent 25 years perfecting this and rewriting it and honing it in a variety of ways to make it connect with people and make people be able to use it fairly easily. Mm. Mm. I love it. So I know we talked about um, the basic purpose scale. If there were two or three scales that you really want the listeners to hear about, because I know there are 35 of them, is that right? Mm -hmm. gotcha. If you had to pick two or three that you really wanted people to hear in this podcast, what would those two or three be? Well, you know, that would really depend on the person. If the person is in business, I would want him to look at the scale of management because I have gotten it down to the seven basic 
inescapable levels of management in the right sequence. Uh, that's that's like a gold mine for anybody who's in business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if the person is is a seeker of spiritual enlightenment or spiritual advancement, I would want them to look at the scale of spiritual identity because that'll tell you where you are in the spectrum of spiritual identity. And therefore, you know what you're shooting for because it's the next level up. You know, so if it's a person who's having uh, relationship problems, I would want them to see the scale of relationships. Just the fact that there is a scale of relationships, that there's seven levels of relationship and everybody is on some level, that in itself will clarify the person's point. So it really depends on the person and the person's situation. So if I meet a person and talk to the person, I would say to him, you know, let's take a look at this scale. This scale will really be relevant to you. Now, I can tell you, I already know, most situations that arise in most people's lives uh, can be analyzed by more than one scale. Like if a guy's have relationship problems, not only will the scale of relationships help him, the scale of sexuality will help him. Because I already know if you're not compatible on that scale, you could be the two nicest people in the world. You're not going to be able to have a romantic relationship. It's not going to work. You don't have to be at the same level, but you have to be at a compatible level. Or there's a scale of allegiance because when relationships deteriorate, it's always because allegiance deteriorates, right? Guy's going out with a girl. He cheats on her, goes out with somebody else. That's kind of a betrayal. He's gone down the scale of allegiance. So he can find his level. And when he confronts what it is, then he can move up to the higher level. Now, I want to hasten to add, it's really important, never tell anyone the level of a living person, not yours or anybody else's. In other words, use this data for yourself. Get the other person to use it for himself. You don't tell people. You don't tell someone his level. Like if you ask me uh, Biden's level, I know what it is, and I'm not going to tell you because he's a living person. Okay, uh, or if you, you know, I've had people say, oh, tell me my level. I say, no, the way to do it is use the book. You have an epiphany. You, you look at it and you say, oh, I see how this works. And you clarify your mind. You don't want to tell somebody that does not help people. Yeah, I really like that part of it, especially because when you get into telling people their levels, like a big issue in life, I feel like is just labeling other people. And you might even yes. start to project your own level and it might be the wrong level. And then you label a person and then they start to. Anyway, there's I feel like there's a That's lot right. of stuff that could happen there that just wouldn't be ideal for either party. That's right. Don't do it. Yeah, I okay. never tell anyone anyone's level. Mine or anybody else's. There we but go. That's why I spent 25 years writing this book. You see, for example, there are these 35 scales. Each one has a name, but I also give a synonym for that name. And then there are seven levels, and each level has a name. And I give a synonym for each of those seven levels. So I'm giving depth of understanding as to what do I mean here? You see, also, there's a glossary, not only in front of every chapter, each of the 35 chapters, but there's even a glossary in front of the introduction. 
so that I'm helping people understand exactly what these words mean. You know, you, it's right there. So there's no ambiguity. For example, there's a scale of communication. If you look up the word communication in a dictionary, it has like 30 or 35 definitions. So somebody could reasonably ask, well, what definition is he using? I give a specific definition of communication. So you know exactly what I mean when I say the scale of communication. And this helps me. Uh, and, and that goes along with your people. You're not evaluating people. You get them, getting them to find themselves in this. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, finding it doesn't mean you have to tell anybody. Anybody, you should keep it to yourself. If other people want to analyze you against this data, that's up to them. I mean, I analyze people all the time. It's like impossible for me not to do it. You know, like I'll listen to some guy talk for 15 seconds and I will know where he is on the scale of literacy from the way he talks. Mm. I'm not going to tell that to anybody, but it informs me about this person. And of course, that happens, of course, 35 axes. So there's all this data that's available. And I urge you to take advantage of this data because everyone is at some level all 35 scale who not. So the data is just sitting there waiting for you to access it. And when you access it, your life becomes easier. Your mind becomes clearer. And the pathway to success is enhanced because you know the next level up. Yeah, I like it. The clarity, oh, the clarity is so key. And not, it, not only is it clarity of where you're at, but it's clarity of next steps. And clarity of what not to do as well. So that is also like, it's just nice. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, awesome. We're going to jump into our thriving three now. Our first question. Okay. What's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Uh, well, favorite. I'm not really a person who has favorites because to me, it's apples and oranges, you know? Yep. Like I could say, well, I, Citizen Kane is a great movie. But The Godfather is also a great movie. But they're very different. They're yep. made in different eras. One is in color, one, you know? So, you know, or it's like if you say, uh, what's your favorite piece of music? Well, I mean, I have to break it down. You know, we talk about rock music, jazz, classical. You know what are we talk and so it's like that with books. It's like that with authors. Who's your favorite author? Well, in what context? You know, like uh, trying to compare Virgil, who wrote 2,000 years in Latin, which I read in Latin. That's completely different context from trying to read uh, Heinlein, who died only a few years ago and wrote in English. You know, it's apples and oranges. So if you kind of give me a context, I can answer it. Like if you say, well, who's your favorite science fiction writer? Well, I can say Robert Heinlein, you know, because I've kind of narrowed it down. And, you know. uh, but in, in gen- when, when it becomes a generality, it's very difficult. Like who's your favorite guitarist? Well, for what? You know, like Al DiMiola is a great guitarist, but he's a jazz, really jazz fusion guitarist, as opposed to... Uh, uh, Eric Clapton, he has kind of a beautiful simplicity about the way he plays blues, you know, and I've seen them both. 
and they're both great. So I would say, well, Clapton is a better blues player, but he can't play fusion like Aldi Miola does. So, you know, that's kind of how I look at things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I got you. I think, you know, uh, like, well, this, yeah, like this, you know, like Obama is a great speaker. He knows how to give a speech. You know, he has a wonderful voice. You can understand every word he's saying. George W. Bush did not have that trait. You know, George W. Bush, on the other hand, was, I believe, he is a sincere person, uh, as opposed to like Clinton. Clinton's brilliant. I mean, even his opponents admit that. But if you look at the way he treats women, that's terrible. So, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, I mean, if I were a woman, I would never want to go out with Bill Clinton. I mean, he has a long history of abusing women. So at the same time, I love to listen to him speak because he's so smart. So, you know, that's kind of how I deal with everything, with people and books and everything else. I got you. I, I think that's a great answer. And I think you dropped enough names for us to just kind of take that and roll with it. Um, what is one action yeah. that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to get on the Joe Rogan podcast? Well, uh, I think in order to get on a show like that, uh, I think I really would have to get an agent of some kind. Uh, and there are agents, you know, podcast booking agents. Right now, I really have my hands full doing the interviews that are, I'm getting, you know, I have a few different websites that I work through and I get people all the time saying, yeah, let's do it, you know? So I'm pretty busy with that. I mean, this is my second interview today. Yeah. And as I said, the interview, the interview is the easy part, setting it up, scheduling it, you know, working out the, the details, you have to fill out forms, you know, it's, it's work. Uh, and it's, you know, I don't particularly mind it, but I don't know that, there's anything I can do with me, you know, I mean, I've done so many of these now, I kind of know how to talk to people, how to answer questions about this. So I think I would really need to get an agent, you know, unless, you know, some bolt from the blue, you know, Joe Reagan, Rogan somehow gets a hold of my book and, you know, emails me, I'd like to have you on my show. I mean, that could happen. I'm not holding my breath waiting for that to happen, but you know, Stranger things have been known to occur. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's this book called Giftology, and it's like a two-hour read, two-and-a-half-hour read, and it gives a really interesting idea for getting your book in the hands of some famous people. Um, so uh -huh. if, you, if you made, like, your list of your top 100 podcasts that you want to go on that could put uh -huh. you in front of a million-plus people, and you sent the book out in this way to all 100 of them, I'm sure 5% of them would read it. And then maybe two of them invite you, you know, um, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Check out giftology. Yeah. It's a really unique way to send gifts to people to really, um, it's really just making people feel known and that's adding uh -huh. value to their life in a way that, um, so like Joe Rogan doesn't need money. So a lot of people be like, Oh, I'll pay to get on the show. Well, he, if he doesn't need money, what other value can you add to his life? And that comes right. in the form of a gift that would really speak to his heart, make him feel known as a person can get you uh, uh -huh. so just thought yeah for ex for example you know i'm a uh, a fan of jordan peterson i've listened to him speak many times and i absolutely know he would love this book 
Mm. I know, because I know how he thinks. I know what his, what his values are. I know what type of a person he is because he comes through. He's an honest person. You know, he tells you who he is. So if, if he got this book, he would love it. I'm sure of that. So it's a question of, you know, how do you do that? Because if you just send somebody something cold, they usually just throw it away. Especially somebody like Peterson, you know, he's he's like an international superstar now. Yeah, yeah, no, he really is. He's gotten big. Um, but I'm telling you, this book tells you a really specific way to do it. That is like, it's not just sending the book. Uh -huh. It's like a mystery box almost that people like want to open. So when the receptionist or whatever, their assistant opens it, like it'll pop uh -huh. out. It'll be a surprise. There'll be like gold and flowers and something really exciting. They'll be like, you have to check out how this person yeah. book. So. I will look into that. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Of course. Of course. Happy to do it. And now we got our final series of questions. These questions can get a bit personal. Okay. Um, you definitely, okay. you can pass on them if you want. Just be like, I don't want to answer that. And we'll be okay. okay, cool. The first question is, what is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Limiting belief. Well, I guess I have kind of a pervasive pessimism about human society. Uh, it's fueled by the, the information that comes to me continuously. I mean, I see, you know, inflation, gas prices and wars, and murders and crime rates, and it's like never ending. So, uh, you know, I have kind of a pervasive pessimism. Uh, and actually a lot of the people I've studied who had a big impact on me have a similar kind of pessimism. Uh, um, so I guess you could call that a limiting belief. I mean, I'm kind of aware that, I, you know, it would be better if I could sort of get out of that and not have it. Uh, and I find in general, if I don't expose myself too much to the news, <laughs> it's easier to let go of it. But to the extent that, you know, the, new, the news now attacks you, you know, like, it's like I'm watching a video and a political ad comes on. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Mm. You know, how do you get away from it? Yeah, no, it's it's rough. You know, you know they're in your in your pocket with that. <laughs> For sure. I can tell you that as a serious as a serious scholar, I went to school for 28 years. Uh, most of the people who I either studied with or or studied in books, you know, were fairly pessimistic people. I mean, Jesus was not going around saying, life is beautiful, have a good time, you know, if you really read what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, and all the other people, you know, I studied with the Society of Jesus for four years. They were brilliant, exemplary people, but they were not happy people. Uh, I mean, they made me a scholar for which I'm eternally grateful. But, you, you know, you can't say they were happy people. You know, so that's sort of, I, I've seen a, an awful lot of that, that, you know, the smartest people are usually fairly pessimistic people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Um, ignorance is bliss. That's right. I've, all, I've often said to myself or to like people I was close to, if ignorance is bliss, what does that make me? <laughs> yeah. 
because I'm a very educated person. So, you know, the more I learn, uh, you know, like I'm a scholar of all things Roman. You know, I know Roman history very well. It's grim. You know, they had they had an empire that lasted a thousand years. Nobody else has even come close to that. And they were brutal. So, you know, the more I learn, the more, you know, like slavery. Slavery has existed throughout human history, everywhere around the world. And it's still going on. I mean, it's it's horrible and it's it's depressing, really. And it's ubiquitous. Most people don't realize how prevalent it's been. That in most times, in most places, it was taken for granted. That that's how things were. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of an unhappy view. No, for sure. Uh, <laughs> a lot of human history doesn't really... A lot of human history and then a lot of human interaction, especially what is pushed out there in the media today, doesn't really give you optimistic, uh, uh, an optimistic foundation, if you will. Right, right. Well, if you were to change- I would say just as on, a, on, a, on an optimistic side, because I don't want to leave your people on a downer, uh, the meditation that I do is extremely uplifting and gets me to feel better about things Every day of my life, every time I do it, I feel better about things. I see the good. I see the possibilities, you know, like I'm absolutely certain that I, I'm an indestructible spiritual being. This body will die in a few years and I will go on to something else. So that's a very optimistic view, you know, but it's not really a human society. It's more like what you get from studying spiritual people, whether it's Buddhism or Christianity or Hinduism, it's the same idea that you are a spiritual being and you outlive your body and you go on to other things. Yeah. So I, that's the optimistic way that I look at it. I love it. I love it. Well, if you were to change that limiting belief, that pervasive pessimism about human society into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be? I don't know. That's that's. I mean, that's a question for psychotherapy. You know, that's, that's <laughs> right. let's go into therapy for two weeks and work on this. Uh, that that you know, that's that's a, a, a tall order to answer that in in ten seconds. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, no need. No need to if you don't have an answer. Right know, now. I, I will. I will say this. I will say this. I am certain that the long term future of the human race it will be very positive. Long term, I'm talking about 25,000, 30,000 years. Um, and that's informed by many things. So I am certain about that. But that's a long way off. Yeah. No. So I guess I could say, well, humans are making some progress, however slowly. You know, it's Two, three steps forward and two steps back, you know, but over a long period of time, uh, I think that there probably will be an enlightened civilization on earth. 
I don't even think there is a civilization on Earth now. I don't think we're civilized. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's mostly barbaric, what I see. I mean, there's certain people who are civilized. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're like people who are well-educated who still do terrible things, you know? That's not civilized. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's my answer to it, that over the long haul, long after we are all forgotten and, you know, we're just a tiny, insignificant footnote in ancient history, I think things will be a lot better. I gotcha. I gotcha. Man, that really does put some perspective on it. 25,000 years, we will just be a just a little bitty, like nobody will care about literally 99.99% of the stuff that's going on right now. Um, so, they won't even know about it. Yeah. I mean, 30,000 30, years from now, nobody's going to know that we were all struggling with inflation now. Yeah. Nobody's going to know that. Absolutely. All right. We got one last question for you. Yeah. So I want to frame this next question. Okay. Alex Hormozzi said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that in both scenarios, you're influencing people. Um, but manipulation is more about getting somebody to do something you want them to do, while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and then helping them get there. Now, there's a common saying uh -huh. that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I actually had uh -huh. a guest on the show, Dr. Alan Leica, who talked about the fact that you can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now. I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change. They hate their life. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life? Honest to God, I mean, this is really pitching me a softball, but I think the best thing you could do for that person is to find a specific thing going on in his life that bothers him and help him use this book to resolve it or to improve it. Let's say the guy says, you know, I can't get a date, girls don't like me or something. You can say, okay, where are you on the scale of permeation? Permeation creates love. When you permeate someone, there's love, okay? That's what people are doing when they're in love. When you don't like somebody, there's no permeation. So you can have shown that one scale and say, you know, how well are you permeating people? You know, are you permeating the person or are you just sticking in your own little corner? Or you could say to him, where are you on the scale of sexuality? You know, and get him to move up a level. So really you could use this book uh, to really help a person to improve a specific area of his life. It's not a generality, it's specific. And then he'll say, you know, that helped me. Then I say, okay, read the rest of the book and use it to help yourself. <laughs> or, or, or I would say, what else is going on in your life that I can help you with? Hmm. Or oh, you're having trouble managing your, your business. Let's look at the scale of management and see, do you have these seven functions that are necessary? You know, and are they in the right sequence? So you could use it to unravel with some of the things that the person is stuck in. And every time you do that, he gets a little confidence that this can be done. Mm -hmm. 
And so after you help him in three or four ways, he might say, you know, I'm going to read this book and use this. This works. Uh, and that's what people basically find in this book. And I'm not just talking about particularly educated people. Just anybody who can read it in English. They read this book and they say, yeah, I can do this. So that's how I would use it. That's what I would do for the guy. There we go. Well, Jim, thank you so much, man. That's all we got for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Well, I just want to say I invite your listeners to go to my website, septemix.com, S-E-P-T-E-M-I-C-S. And there you can see what many readers have said about the book, what many journalists have written about the book, what the reviews are, and you can read passages of the book. So then you can make a judgment for yourself if this is for you. Go to the website. It's free. And it's designed to inform new people about it. And I hope you find that this is something that will benefit you. There we go. Well, you guys heard Jim. If you loved what he had to say, if you loved the idea of Septimics, if you're looking to improve your life in a very clear, practical way, go ahead and check out the website. Check out if the book is for you. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. On that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.